Okay. Let's sing a little bit lower so I have a little voice left. And so far, I'm sure that you've heard the same thing from anyone that's spoken about tshuva. For some reason, 
anything I've heard about tshuva has to do with everyone telling me how tshuva is not about being hard on yourself and it shouldn't feel bad and it feels good and everything. That's because for 2,000 years that's what anyone taught, that it is a painful process that you go through and it's heavy. So what have we done now? We flipped it back over to the other side, right? <laughs> but the MS is, is that anyone with, with a reva cup, you know what that means? A <laughs> to the quarter of a head, right? <laughs> Anyone with a quarter of a head knows that um, that it's time to now. Okay, so we've done that. We've gone all the way here. How do you how do you go? How do you put them together, b'shalom? Not not that anything should hurt, but that whole energy of what two thousand years of, of Elul was in the world. You know, they say in Lubavitch, Elul in the town Lubavitch and in Rostov. It was uh, everything, like, you know how like, you tweak up the volume? Like, everything in the volume of intensity, it was like, you, you didn't have to say anything, it was just all tweaked up. And basically, every chassid, the chayzer, you know, chayzer, all the mamarim of the, of the rebbe's, and Anil Dodi, and, and, and everything was, was tuned up, everything was tweaked up. If you just tell everyone how beautiful it is to do tshuva, intensity won't really happen. Because people will be waiting for, like, flowers to fall down from Shemayim, like, Here's the path of repentance. So, how do you get to a place where you're not scared at all? It feels good, and you're not scared at all to face certain things that you have to face. That might cause you to really have a little bit of a, I don't know how you call it. It'll have to make you face like a, an unfortunate reality, or a, or a picture that you'd like to change. Most of us run away from pain like it's no one's business because to us, in our mind, and we've learned this already, pain equals bad. Right? And that's not true. Last night we were learning about redefining terms. Pain doesn't dafka mean bad. Pain means, in my humble, a humble opinion, in mamish means a mikvah. A certain level of pain, you know? Hey guys. I want you to know, Chava, I'm very happy and humble. These are my oldest neighbors in the world, all the way from when I was really a little kid from Los Angeles. From the old country. From the old country. I'm sure you've seen this. Tell me if tell me if you haven't. If not, look out for next time. You ever go into a mikvah? Chavit, listen strong. This is like what we're talking about tonight. You ever go into a mikvah? And in the mikvah, while you're waiting to go in, you hear someone, it's really for men, I'm sure this doesn't happen in women's mikvah, but by men, you hear someone going to the mikvah and they go, ah! <laughs> Not because he went to the boiling mikvah, you know, <laughs> but because he goes into a mikvah and it's just like, ah! So what are you what are you what are you gonna say? That's that's bad? Because he's experiencing pain? How about sometimes, you know, this is like you wanna know about pain? I'll tell you a story about pain. You know, tonight we're gonna see something about Ishbitzi. Do you know how Ishbitz is you know, when he was Nifter, he left really three main Mamshikhin. Everybody knows his son, Rabbi Yanko, Rabbi Yaakov of Ishbitz, and Rabtodaka kind of the bling, and the label Eger, right? 
I want to tell you a story how Reb Tzadok Kohen of Lublin became a student of the Ishbitzer. This is mind-blowing. So everybody knows that Reb Tzadok Kohen of Lublin was a Ga- You know what a Gaon Olam means? A Gaon Olam means that he mastered everything that's on these walls. Any sage over here, he's mastered. Even the ones that were written 20 years after he died. Okay? <laughs> even those he mastered. <laughs> right? So I want you to understand what a Gaon Oilam means is that his neshama is so mushrash. Mushrash means completely rooted, but in such a level that there's absolutely no possible disconnect with the word of Hashem. His life story, I'm not going to get into it right now. It's very long and it's very interesting. It's very bizarre on a certain level. You should look into it for yourself. But at a certain point, and everyone knew when he would travel around, he had to travel around for a while for a certain Indian. He traveled around everywhere. And this Rebzadik of Kayan of Lublin was known. Everybody knew, ah, that's the Gain, the Kayan Rabinowitz. That was his last name. Tzadik Rabinowitz. Yeah, that's the Gain of Lublin. That's that mind, that brain. It didn't come from Hasidic family at all. But everybody knew that's the Gain. This guy, that's the walking Sefer Torah. So he'd walk into places, and everybody, ah, that's the walking Sefer Torah. So the Tzadik finds his way to the town of Ishbitz. This is after the Ishbitz is split in the Kotzka. He's in Ishbitz. One of the last 13 years of the Ishbitz's life. He spends in the town of Ishbitz. And someone came, a Shamus of the Mashiloyach. It's just so beautiful to even talk like this. They were telling stories about people who, who, who these words come from them. The Shamus of the Ishbitz says to the Tzadik, says, Ah, uh, Shalom Aleichem, the, the Rebbe would like you to, uh, to come eat with him, Seuda. So he says, no, 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 thank you. I'm going to do my own thing. He just sat there on his own, learned all Shabbos. Maybe he had a piece of bread. I don't know what he had with him. It happens again, Shabbos lunch, after, after, uh, after Musaf, the Shamis of the Ishbitz's sister and son. Listen, come, come. The Rebbe really would like you to have be by, be by his dish. Listen, I'm doing my own thing. Thank you, but no thank you. This is what I'm doing. He sat and learned. Shabbos for 25 hours. He spent 26 out of 25 learning, okay? So then comes Shalashiris. Shalashiris is not a private affair. Shalashiris is everyone together. And again, the Rebbe was sitting in the front. He sends his shamans to go to Reb Tzadok. He says, the Rebbe would like you to come sit by him next day. So please tell the Rebbe, I'm fine. Let me just do my thing here. And then the Mashiach starts to dash and tell you Then he gives over his tell You all know that by Shalashiris, when the Rebbe would speak, the closest you could imagine to what fireballs dropping down from Shemaim was when the Rebbe would open up his mouth, Shalashidus. First of all, it was dark. Even today, by the Hasidim, if you've been by Tishis, Shalashidus, they go into Motzei Shabbos, but it's still Shabbos by the Rebbe. So everybody knows that they ask people to turn, shut off the lights. I've, been, I've seen this. Yudavka shut off the lights. No light. So it's all dark. That's giving over time. And then you were heard shrieking, screaming from the corner of the room. Stop! Tell him to stop! Please tell him to stop! What's going on? The Rebbe is pouring acid on my heart, on my soul. He's burning my neshama right now. You got to tell him to stop. I can't take it. They go to see who is this? What's going on over here? Who was it? The guy in Ireland of Lublin. The Tzadik's in the corner. 
Needless to say, from that day on, he didn't miss a beat from whatever the Mashiach says. Now, I want to explain what this, how could I explain what the story is, but what it means to us tonight and how this connects to what we're learning tonight, what we just mentioned about pain. You think that it felt good when Reb Tzadik Akkoyim was saying, please tell him to stop, he's pouring acid on my soul. What happened to him when he heard the Rebbe speak? He realized that just like the Alter Rebbe has to make a decision, should he go learn, to learn, learn how to learn, or learn how to daven? He said, to, to learn, I know how to learn, I stopped learning how to daven, and he went to found his way to Mizritch. Reb Tzadik knew the whole kol ha kula. I don't know what the Meshulach was giving over that Shalashivah. But it's not even, I mean, it's important, but for the point of this story, it's not important. All that's important is to know that sometimes, even when we think we have it, or that we're working on tshuva, we, we think we set 11 months out of the year, <coughs> so that Elul comes, and then I'm going to do tshuva. Then I'm going to do that tshuva. But sometimes it can come from left field. For those of you who don't understand what that means, because you're not American, so it can come from a totally different area where you're not even, you don't even know what's happening to you. And you could see something, hear a word, hear a nigun, and you could scream, the Rebbe is pouring acid on the Neshama, he's killed, tell him to stop. However, how thankful are you that someone went like this to you? And for many people, this, the uncovering of the blindfold, really is the most painful thing in the world. For many, many reasons, which we're not going to get into right now. But pain, ke'ev, when you jump into a mikvah, ah, I remember them. I never forget, like, my, my, uh, my wedding day, a few hours before our wedding, we got married at the beginning of Kislev, and uh, it was pretty cold. And we went to a bunch of my chavr that came from America, and the ones that were here, my brother, we all went to the mikvah in the Mayan and Bataim, which, even on the hottest day in August, is not exactly a sauna, right? <laughs> Even on the hottest day of August, the thing, it's freezing. You really have to work on your breathing, and you can't just go in there. Like one time, I took my friend from Los Angeles in there, into the mikvah, and he dunks, and all I heard him go, <laughs> and he ran out. I said, "Brother, what what happened to you?" He's like, "Look, I don't know anything, but all I knew is that the second that I got in, I had to come right out." <laughs> second he went in, I had to run out of there. So when you go into a certain, we went in the mikvah of December, we went inside, it, it's, it's ice, but just understand something, that you, you, we know the deeper you get, and the more you want to wake up, the less it's going to feel like, oh, come, wake up, little letisan on the front. That's one side of the story. The other side of the story, of waking up, that's not painful, but it can get you through a lot of pain as is following. There is, and I'm not inclined to, to, to share any of this, but this is just what I'm feeling right now in the last few hours, so just bear with me, please. Because I was just in Chutzlaritz, and, and even here, just I see a lot of people and a lot of my friends, more than ever, and just to hold on to Shalom Bayes, you have to hold on like you're, you're like, like, like mad, like never before. And people's own life, it's just crazy how people avoid dealing with becoming real for the life of them because they know or they think that pain equals something bad. 
tshuva, the whole process of tshuva, has many facets to it. You know, Reb Shlomo, remember I always tell you guys, how did Reb Shlomo explain Rav Kook's Oros tshuva? I said this a thousand times. So Reb Shlomo said, he said Rav Kook learned every single thing in the world that was possible, that was written and documented about the topic of tshuva. Whether it was Nuchos Tshuva, the Rambam, Shai Tshuva Rebbein Yoyna, Igeras Tshuva Ba'al Rebbe, you name it, anything. And then after he learned everything, 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 he squeezed that fruit of what he learned, and the juice that came out was Orosa Tshuva, the life of repentance. Now, I happen to think that Reb Shlomo was talking about himself, about what he did with anything that he learned. That's what I humbly think. I think. There's a sefer called Do Yisharim. It's a very precious little sefer. And it's a little book, little biographies, short biographies, about the, dyna- the, the, the Rebbe's and the dynasty of Ishbitz Radzing. The Meshivach, his son, his grandson, and his great-grandson. It's a very beautiful little sefer. It's not too big. And in it, it describes certain minhagin that the Ishbitz Rebbe's used to have. So I remember reading this years ago, and I always dreamed of either being part or creating or going to a yeshiva like this. So I don't know if you want to take this upon it. I, I don't think you will. This is like this is this is pretty out there. But then, you know, Beis Yaakov, the Yaakov Ishbitz, talk about a gone oilam. Again, like we say these words, like today when we say, "Oh, someone's a gone," you have to understand, it doesn't come close. So the type of caliber of the Talmud and a Gaon, which we're talking about 170 years ago. Okay? Like, in order to do something bad or have a, you know, be distracted, you have to travel five miles by a wagon just to have a, to have a distracting thought, right? To be, you have to understand what, what it means to be like sitting in the oil of Torah. This is what happened in the Beis Medjish of Beis Yaakov, of the Rabbi Yaakov Ishbitzah. Every single night, this is so beautiful, every single night at approximately 10 to 12, 10 to 12, the Rebbe would walk from town, from his house, to the Beis Medjish. On one side was his shamus holding the sparn, and on his other side was a gabai holding a candle. And when they got to the Beis Medrash, then the Shamis and the Gabbai, they each stood next to the Rebbe, and they had a candle in each of their hands. And at 10 to 12, they walked up and down the aisles in the Beis Medrash. And everyone knew, oh, okay, it's time for Shir. So for 25 years, the Beis Yaakov gave Shir in Gemara from 12 to 4 a.m. That's why I said what I said before about Yeshiva. Okay. So, when are you going to Okay, so what happened? You all agree. The storm is going to come in. Right. He took 12 to 4. Okay. <laughs> Bina's going to hear the shear. <laughs> so. <laughs> so listen to this. This is what a chassid that went through Gehenim, Ale Adamus, reported years later. It was a chassid of Rabbi Yaakov Ishbitz. And Ishbitz a chassid, this I heard from Rabbi Weinberger Shlita. Just heard this from him. There was a chassid of Rabbi Yaakov Ishbitz who went through a hard life. Again, every person's hard life is... No one should compare hard lives to anyone else's hard life because each person's neshama experiences hardship and pain 
and sorrow and agony in different ways. We should never compare anyone's sorrows to anybody. For some people, being married to someone is the biggest sorrow in the world, and some people not being married is the biggest sorrow in the world, right? So each person's sorrows is different. But just to understand, if you say that a year, 170 years ago in Poland, went to Gehenna Maleadamus, he didn't have it easy at all. But he says like this to his children and grandchildren, do you want to know how I made it through whatever I went through in my life? I'll tell you. And he told over the whole story. He was in that shear when the Ishbitzer, when the Besiakov was walking up and down the aisle. He was there. He said, I remember more or less what it felt like when the Rebbe and the, Ga- and the Gabbai would walk up and down with those candles. When we knew, wow. And you had to, there was only a select few that could be in that shear, you know? You have to just realize, you have to, you know, he said, I remember what it kind of was like when they were walking up and down. But I'll tell you something. I remember everything that we taught, that was learned in those 25 years. Kimat Velo. But I remember one thing. I remember when, at 4 a.m., when the Besiatos took the Gemara and went like this, and they kissed it, that's the vision that I had in my mind, heart, and soul throughout my whole life. Not the whole learning, not the hishtokutus, not the um, anticipation and, and looking forward to everything, not all of that. What do I remember all those years that kept me going strong? was when Rabbi Yaakov Ishbitz took the Gemara and he closed it and he gave it a kiss. This, you know, this. What... What it smelled like in the air when he did that. And when I had that in my mind, for some reason, and he said, and I can't explain it, that neshika kept me so connected more than anything of the 25 years of learning. More than anything in the world. Okay. So now, Chavik, please give me all your attention, because this... I realize right now is way, way more deep than I could ever try to explain to you. This is way deeper than I could ever explain to you. So just listen to this. You know, today it's a famous nigun. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Amar Akiva, Yisrael, right? How does it end off? The Gemara and Yuma. What does the mikvah purify the impure? So does the Kaddish Baruch Hu purify Am Yisrael? Where are you learning from? Well, I'm nothing yet. I'm just quoting the Gemara. This is the end. This is the Kutei Meh Shiva Chalit Beis in Masechet Yomah. So in the Gemara, Dafayeh says, Maha mikveh metares at name, just like the mikvah purifies those who are impure. Now look at this. This is the first thing we learned for Smicha. The first thing that we learned was Mikvos. It was very special. I felt very lucky that I joined the cycle of learning Dafka then. Because some guys start learning a three year period with like Hilchos Basa Bechalov or Issa Beheter or, you know, Nida. It's very heavy, deep, complicated stuff. We started learning the cycle that I joined start, began as we were learning Mikvos, which I felt like was. Here's your neshika, you know, here's, here's a little kiss, but why? Why is it so special to learn mikvahs? Look what the, this is from the great-grandson, quoting his Zaydi. Look what he says. 
כי טהר אסמיין הוא השקה. Everybody knows that in the Hilchus of Mikvah, you have to have a bor hashaka. Do you know what a bor hashaka means? How do you explain that? How do you say I explain a bor hashaka? What's that? No, not, not a watering hole, a bor hashaka. Every mikvah, every kosher mikvah, a built mikvah, what you see is only like part of it. Right. There's always another side of the wall, and you'll see on the side of the mikvah, there's a hole, there's a, there's a round, usually a round hole, and on the other side, there's a bore. Now, what does that bore do? It collects the rainwater. To make, to make sure that what? That the mikvah water that you're dipping into is always connected to maim chayim, to natural rainwater, okay? That bore is called bore hashaka, which means literally the... I don't know how to say this exactly in English, but watering. Well, it means watering literally, the 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 pit of water, of the hole of watering. But really, hashaka comes from the word meshika, right? So you have two mikvahs that are kissing. You have two groups of water that are kissing each other. This water, you're kissing the maim chayim. That kiss causes you to be eternally connected to ma mikvah metayas apim afakadish baruch hu metayas israel. Look what the Ishbitzer says. How do, you, how do you become impure? How do you become pure from water? Like through water? So everybody knows, if, if for a man, there's like, it's much easier to, for Hilchot Mikvahs, jump anywhere natural water, you're there. You're you're tar. In a mikvah, in a built mikvah, you have to make sure that it's always connected to mine from the makor, which has so many ramifications when you learn. If you say, en maim el you know how much you have to pray to have the schus to be learning from someone who's connected to the makar, you know, which is such a it's such a privilege, it's such a precious thing that you know we live in a most of I mean my chaver my age those of us who weren't privileged to sit by the great tzaddikim but the fact that we know that Reb Shlomo mentions names like Bobov, Mojitz, Amshinov, Rebidalia, Kenny. Um, that, that we mention names of people that we know they existed. That's enough for us to know that there's a Nishika, that there's a that there's a Maim Chaim in this world, that there's a Bor Hashaka in this world. So really, Reb Nassim writes this in Likut HaYelechus also, obviously. A person has to cry his kishkas over having the schos to be connected to the Tzadik Ha'emes. What does that mean on a little simple level? To learn Torah from someone who's mamish connected to the Makar Ha'elian? People can, their whole lives they could spend never never meeting someone like that. So first of all, just listen to that. Says the Ishbitzer, Shetara me'amayim hu shemechaber, amayim lamakor, kein hu atahara shel adam. The same thing of the process of purification by man. Kshe'adam mechaber, umad bikas atzma l'ashem yizbara. When a person connects and clings himself to Hashem, ve'ro'eh she'kol chiyusa, and he realizes that the fact that I can go like this with my finger is also from Hashem, just like Hashem blesses me with a child. The fact that right now I could take this pick and strum the guitar is the same thing, the same life force. It comes from the same place when a person sees that his whole chayas, that everything that he feels is from Hashem, Hurak mekorachay Hashem is barach zel wat tahara shel adam. 
Nishbitzer says, you think that in order to become pure in this world, you have to jump to mitzvahs? You know, I have friends that they always did whatever they did, and they didn't care too much about certain averas. But one thing they were meshuga about, what was that? Finding mitzvahs all the time, just jumping to mitzvahs all the time, because <laughs> they thought that's the only way you could, you know, become clean in this world. So they just would jump to mitzvahs all the time to pe- dunk, go back and go back to exactly the same thing. They didn't feel like Are you crazy. It's like, ah, tomorrow we're going. <laughs> tomorrow we'll be there. You know, there's a there's a great mayan there, right? There's a great mitzvah there. Ishbita says, you think that's what it means? That's how a person becomes pure in this world? Part of it. But the whole point of a mikvah is to immerse yourself in something when you're totally, when you're in the water, all of you is immersed in something that's connected to the Makara Elyon. So this is what I wanted to share. A person could walk these streets right over here on the level of a mikvah. How? Realizing the fact that your legs are walking, your mind is thinking, your heart is pumping, and your eyes are seeing, your ears hear, and you realize that is all from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That, you just performed a ritual bath. Pashat That's what's called when a person realizes that every single thing that happens to him is from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The Ishbitzer says, that is called Mei Hashaka. That's called a kiss. That's called a kiss from Shemayim. Go one step further, please. Give these words all your attention so that it can come out right, Bezrat Hashem. When that chassid, when that Ishbitzer chassid saw his Rebbe kiss, close the Gemara and give it in a shikah, that kept him alive forever. Why? He can't tell you why. No one can tell you why. But the MS is, is that it kept him alive because he witnessed someone that was completely immersed in a mitvah kol yemei chayev. In Elul, the tefillah that we say, and I know people have been hugging to say this once a day, twice a day, I try to say it at least three times a day. The truth is I try more, but it's been very sh- I haven't done it good this Elul. Previous Elul, I've said this more. Which capital to him, obviously, the David Hashem Ayyavi Yishi. The David Hashem Ayyavi Yishi is the 27th, 30, 30, 27th, 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 27th capital to him. So it's something that everyone should not just like say it because that's what you're supposed to say, like to really go over it over and over and over again because anything you ever wanted to know about yourself or about a Kaddish Baruchu is in this capital to him. But what are we asking Hashem in this capital to him? We're asking Hashem, please let me live in a mikvah. Why? What do you think the words shifti beveis Hashem kol yemei chayai mean? What do you think that means, to live in beis Hashem? That I could do whatever I want, as long as I know there's mikvahs out there and I jump in them and play them? Shifti beveis Hashem means let my life be a life of a bar hashaka. Let my life, let, let me always remember the kiss. Let me always remember that wherever I immerse myself in, in, in Talmud Torah, there's another bar of Mayim Chaim on the other side of that hole that maybe I can't see, and that's connecting us together. Remember the story, Chabad, I told you so many times, one of my favorite stories, uh, Shlomo shows up in the early 70s, uh, late, uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, to some 
some some gathering in Northern California. That says enough. I said Northern California, late 60s, just imagine. Okay. So, Reb is giving a shir. He's giving a shir. He's doing his thing. He's being himself. And, uh, which means giving a shir to some people. I mean, he was the master of Hashaka, right? He's the master of Barashaka. He was the Barashaka. Still is. So, he's speaking words of Torah, and he must have mentioned, I, I'm sure you heard this when he said this. He must have mentioned the words Zohar, Kabbalah, or Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, something like that. Because a woman raised her hand, and remember this story, and she said, she said, Rabbi, where's your charts? Charts? What do you mean? Well, you mentioned the Zohar. You mentioned Kabbalah. So, where are your, if you're teaching Kabbalah, where are your charts? What do you mean? She said, you know, Chokmah, Bina, Da, Chesed, Gura, Malkut, Yesod, right? Because everybody knows that, unfortunately, the way that the world has learned Kabbalah many times, unfortunately, is that people with charts and all these tablaot showing how the spheres correspond and the whole scientific discussion. Shlomo says, let me ask you a question, sister. When you and your husband decide to take a trip to Paris and see Paris, bless you, do you guys choose to hire a tour guide who needs a map in order to get around? <laughs> do you know how deep that, that answer is? He said, you choose a tour guide who lives there who doesn't need a map in order to get around. He says, so I'm sorry, there's no charts, because I live here. I live here. Listen to this. It's a tale from the Bnei Yisachar. The gematria of the word Elul is Bina. My favorite word, right? 67. What's, what's the whole thing with Bina? All year long I have to do tshuva. But all year long... It's okay if, like, I fall and I keep on getting up. And I'm okay with just the fact that I got up right now. Elul, the Chuvah's level of Bina. You know what Bina is? Bina is many, uh, you understand, Dover mitach Dover, the, you know, Steinitz has a beautiful parish in his Biratania on the concept of, of, of Chuvah, from Bina. What Bina means. So in Elul, I'm not just saying, okay, please, I'm doing Chuvah, forgive me that I did this, let me get up tomorrow morning like a mensch. It's much more than that. It's much more than that. Because what Hashem wants to give us in the month of Elul is far greater than anything we could imagine. It's not just to get up and after one Avera, okay, you're forgiven. Hashem is saying, listen, I'm giving you a kapitel to him from David HaMelech, and if you understand the depth of it, you'll be asking to live in a mikvah. Why limit yourself on what you're asking for? Shifti b'veis Hashem kol yamei you know what means? You know what these words even mean? I don't know what it means. Well, closest I get is when I, I, when I look at my children smiling or not smiling, just look at them. That's like for me, lachzos benoim Hashem. You know, That's the closest for me. You know, for some people to come to a place in life to ask Hashem, please give, live, make my life a life of a mikvah is the most painful thing they'll ever have to go through. You know why? Because they have no idea what it means even one minute of living in the mitzvah. But if Shlomo taught us in Pasha's Kitab, he said a beautiful thing. 
But the Rebbeinu Shalom wants to give us, like we said before, is so much greater. He wants to give us a life of a mikvah. He doesn't want to give us a day of doing tshuva. He wants to give us a whole world of being in a mikvah. So look at the beautiful thing we were learning the other day. God's name is Yud Kevavke, right? And I'm just going to explain this on the pshat of all pshats. Okay? The pshat of all pshats. Yud, and then Hey, and then Vav, and then Hey. The Pshlomo says that Yud represents this God, infinite or Ainsof, this godly light, which is too, it's even a, 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 a crime that it's in the form of anything like a letter, because it's so beyond anything. And that's why it's in the form of the letter Yud, because Yud is like this tiny dot, which is like, as if it's not even here. It's not much in between this world and that one. Hey is an expansion of that light. Vav brings that light, like the letter Vav, down to this world. And then another He expands that light which I brought down from above. Did I lose absolutely everybody right now in the last minute? Yud or Sof. He, wow. It's expanded in all the world. It's everywhere. This is just one pshat. Vav, the letter Vav, that line which is Mechaber between heaven and earth brings down that light from above down here and He expands that light also down here in this world. So usually it's God's light and then the light comes down in this world. Comes two Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah. It talks about coming to Eretz Yisrael. And Chazal teaches us that the word Vehaya is Lashon Simcha. That when the Torah mentions the word Vehaya it's a happy thing. Vayhi is a painful thing. For instance, what's a classic example when something says, when it says Vayhi in the Torah and it's painful? We know it alludes to something bad about to happen. Vayhi right? But when it says Vehaya, it's Lashan Simcha. Vehaya Bayomahu. When the great day will come, Yitaka Veshofar Gadol. Someone said that other day. Vayehi Or was one of the most painful things for God ever in the world. Because Vayehi Or for Hashem meant that symptom of going, so contracting that huge, huge light which He had, for God was very painful. But it's good you said that. When the Parsha of Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Shlomo says, this is unbelievable. We come into Eretz Yisrael this Shabbos. What's the first word of the Parsha? Vehaya kitavo when you come to Eretz Yisrael, so right away, Vehaya, Lashan Simcha. Ah, it's going to be the highest Simcha in the world. Why is it such high Simcha? You know what the letters of Vehaya are? It's Yud K, Yud K, Vav K, right? But what's the order of Vehaya? First is Vav He, then is Yud He. Instead of Yud K, then Vav He. You know what Hashem is telling us when it comes to like getting close to Rosh Hashanah? If Shlomo says, I'm giving you right now a chance that first you make your vessels much, much bigger for that which I want to give you. Vav hey, then yud hey. Because what I want to give you is much, much... I don't want to give you a tshuva of the moment. I want to give you a shifti of Hashem kol I want to give you a bar hashaka. I want to give you a mikvah. I want to give... That's what I want to give you. I know you think that I want to give you just this much. 
but so much more. And I just want to explain something that Shlomo said so many times of just the yard, the 30th yard site of the Satmarav. I want to say something just to explain something we said the other day too. Shlomo says, he says, you think the Satmarav wasn't the biggest Zionist in the world? You know, if, if, if we understand what a real Zionist means. The Satmar Rebbe loved Eretz Yisrael and the Yidden of Eretz Yisrael more than anyone in the world. But you know what he was afraid of? He was afraid of that no one, none of us would work on our Vav Hey enough to receive that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give him. He was so scared that our vessels wouldn't be big enough for the big picture of Eretz Yisrael. For instance, like what? What did he, what did Rebbe Shlomo describe this to? Because imagine you get a call from a bank manager and you're told, Okay, listen, you got to come to the bank right now. We want to give you $5 million. You deserve $5 million, whatever it is. And you come to the bank, and the bank manager says, Okay, put out your hand. And he starts giving you dollar after dollar after dollar <laughs> after dollar. And you're sitting there, and you can't believe it. That you're so freaked out and overwhelmed that when you counted $10,000, you just said, Thank you very much, and you ran out of there back to your house because this whole experience was beyond you. Shmanjur, you want to get? You're supposed to get five million dollars. What are you running away after ten thousand dollars? You know when people run away after ten thousand dollars, when they think they know what Hashem wants to give them. When there was no work on above. Them. So when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, Reb Shlomo says, no, 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 vehaya, vavhei, and then yud. And until that happens, until we're ready to receive all of Eretz Yisrael and the all of Eretz Yisrael then we'll have to work so hard on feeling that Eretz Yisrael is a mikvah. You see what it is? It should be that whenever you walk around in Eretz Yisrael, you should feel like you're in a mikvah. Why? Because your whole body is in a mitzvah. Right? There's three things, right? Being in a sukkah, your whole body is in a mitzvah. Being in a mikvah, your whole body is in a mitzvah. And mitzvah is in Eretz Yisrael. So why did, let's be honest right now, I mean, I'm sure there's some of you that I see walking around anywhere in Eretz Yisrael flying like, like it's no one's business, but for some of us, like myself, it doesn't feel every second like I'm flying here. Why? Because my vav hey, my vessels for that which Hashem wants to give me, are stuck on a concept of finite, something finite. It's the greatest privilege and might be the most painful thing in the world to shatter all those broken vessels which just limit. It's hard. You know what you have to do? You have to give up on years of thinking that life was the way that your eyes saw it. Uh, David Aaron says, you know, but how beautiful is that day when a person is walking around with wrong prescription and he finally puts that prescription, the right prescription on his eyes so it might take a while to go like this but then when he opens his eyes that time, he sees everything so clearly. So you know what I feel like all of us are in now? In Elul? In Elul is that we know, we're like we're given this capital to him of David Hashem Where we ask Hashem to give us a mikvah. And Hashem is saying, Okay, I'm about to give you a life of a mikvah. Try on these glasses. So we're about to try them on. We hear the shofar every morning. Something is now, something new is going on. But we're still going like this until we clear out the crust or the shmuz. We have them on, and all it's a matter of just going like this right now. So that when we come to shul, 
Yantiv night and all of us were here. I da 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 I don't have to look for a pair of glasses. I don't have to look for a pair of glasses. Ever. It's not a funny thing at all because for some people they can go to shul, they've been to shul 50 years and they hear HaMelech and they just want to know how good is the Nusach of the Chazen? That's what HaMelech is? That is something mitzvah, and mitzvah is the same letter, but the, the difference of tzaddik and kuf, mm-hmm. and that's the difference of yud, of ten, which is yud. Between, oh, between the tzaddik and the kuf. They both have vav hay. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the difference between. Right, right, right. No, no, the difference between the yud is that yud, that ain't soft to connect a, a tzaddik and kuf. That's awesome. Right down Mikveh, your face. Mitzvah plus Hashem, like, to you. Is your first chidush? My first chidush ever? No, no, like, <laughs> no, it's going to be the first chidush in the Sefer. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> How do you know what Hashem wants to give you? Maybe He wants to give you a whole shas <laughs> coming out of you. And so, Chavran, Bezrat Hashem, that this word, Vehayav, this parsha. you know, I, I want you to know that you, you have to be around people that believe that whatever you have right now is nothing compared to what Hashem wants to give you. It's not enough to, like, we could learn this and we could know, ah, Rabbi Shlomo Krabach teaches in the name of Rabbi Lebele Eger that God wants to give you more than you think. That's great. Where am I eating second night yante? Right? That's my planning for Rosh Hashanah, right? So, that's Shriyat. That's Shriyat. I give us such a bracha and give me a bracha back that, uh, that there's no way in the world that we'll deprive ourselves from asking Shifti Bebeis Hashem Kol Yemei Chayai to ask it on a level of feeling a Neshika because we don't have the base Yaakov we don't have the base Yaakov to go like this right now and to hold on to that and to know that that's what I want my whole life we don't have that right now what do we have right now? For each person, that kiss of the Bisyakov is something else. For some people, it's, it's that nigger. For some people, it's, I don't know, for many people, it's showing up here. For all the, all the classes that are here. For some people, it's knowing that they're going to be their family. But whatever you think it is, to be open that it could be so much more, might be painful in the beginning. It might be the hardest thing in the world. It might be mamish, kolatz moisai, will scream that my kishkas will, will be screaming in pain. However, the bottom of the line is that the greatest thing in the world that could ever happen is that when a person connects himself, matbik is like devek, he puts glue on himself and Hashem. When a person sees that his whole life is all from Hashem, Ishbetzin says, that means it's a mikvah. That means you're living in a mikvah. And that means you don't have to jump into mikvahs in order to become pure. <coughs> it means you could walk from the falafel stand back to here for another shir, but if you know that the money that you had is from Hashem, the person making the falafel, he has the wisdom to make it only from Hashem, <coughs> you're carrying the mikvah with you. And I'll tell you, 
this daughter, babies that are being born today in Yerushalayim, maybe we were okay with just having uh, tshuvas of like the moment. But our babies that are being born in today's day and age in Yerushalayim, they're not going to be satisfied at all with the world of quarter mikvah, a little bit of a mikvah. For them, for their life, our Yiddishkeit and our Eretz Yisrael has to be the vav hey in our lives has to be expanded and worked on like mad. The kalim has to be built. And the only way you really build a kli is two words. Torah and tefillah. Tanu Torah kineget kulam. And davening over it. So I, I bless us all that going into the new year, we feel the neshika of this past year. Don't look at this past year and level of tshuva and be like, look how, look how, you think Hashem wants you to show up to shul saying, I did, okay, I had a strong, strong Elul, I'm the lowest Jew in the world. No. He wants you to show up into Elul saying, I finally figured out what I want. That thing that I've been saying all day long. That, that nigun that I've been singing all day long from David Amela. That's what I've been singing all day long.
I'd love if you could all join if anything happens.